the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, December the 24th, 2019, in the year of our Lord. It's Christmas Eve. I hope you're ready for Christmas. Probably not. There's probably two or three little things that you kept putting off. Now you got to get it done today. Maybe not everyone, but most. Today on December 24th, 1968, Apollo 8, the astronauts, were orbiting the moon. The world was amazed. We'd not seen anything like this before. We were seeing pictures we'd never seen before. We were getting explanations from the astronauts about what the world looked like from the moon. And what did they do? (laughs) They stunned the atheists and the liberals. They opened their Bible in space and begin to read from the new uh, from the old testament the world was stunned it was caught off guard even the even the nasa said they didn't know they were going to do that they nasa said it probably wasn't in the best interest of nasa i think it was in the best interest of nasa anytime you read the word of god what these astronauts did they read this in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God divided the light day, or called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Well, I can imagine why atheists and secularists would get upset over hearing those words because they're truth and the evidence is all around us. The earth is the Lord's. You see the glory of the Lord when you look up at night if if there aren't clouds. You can see the stars. You see the sunrise. You see, see the sunset. You see the mechanism around the world and all of the planets and the 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 galaxies and the universe, it all works in precision. I want to tell you this morning, there is a God. (laughs) He's real. And he spoke into existence all that exists. And these Apollo 8 astronauts were merely reflecting on that as they were further into space and doing something no human being had ever done before. Amazing. Today, 1968. Today in 1809, American legendary frontiersman Kit Carson. He was born in Madison County, Kentucky. Today in 1865, several veterans of the Confederate Army formed a private social club. That's what they called it in Pulaski, Tennessee. That was the original version of the Ku Klux Klan. Today, in 1914, during World War One, impromptu Christmas truces begin to take place all along the front lines of the battle. 
between British and German soldiers. I'm going to be on the air tomorrow, and I'm, I'm going to mention that that's part of my comments tomorrow on Christmas morning. And I'll be talking a little bit more about some of that in the context of Christmas. But today in 1943, President Franklin D. Roosevelt appointed General Dwight D. Eisenhower, Supreme Commander of Allied Forces in Europe, as part of the Operation Overlord. Today in 1980, Americans remembered the U.S. hostages in Iran by burning candles or shining lights for 417 seconds. One second for each day of captivity. That captivity was soon to end. Jimmy Carter had, President Jimmy Carter had tried to extract those Americans as, as a president should have. It was a horrible disaster. And I think that reflected probably more on the, more on the Carter administration than anything else. But it is um, a fact that the day that President Ronald Reagan took office, Iran released all 417 hostages. Today, in 1993, the Reverend Norman Vincent Peale died in Pauling, New York. He was 95 years old. And 10 years ago today, on this Christmas Eve, 10 years ago today, the Senate passed health care legislation, 60 to 39 in the chamber's first Christmas Eve vote since 1895. It was the Affordable Care Act. It had already passed the House. Obamacare. Nancy Pelosi said back then, 10 years ago, she said, we have to pass this legislation so we can find out what's in it. Boy, that characterizes the left, doesn't it? Just pass this, trust us, and then after we pass it and make it law, we'll find out what's in it. The left is, I mean, I don't know if I could be a, a lefty if I wanted to. It, they just all seem so disconnected. I say that honestly and humbly, but it doesn't make sense, the stuff they put out there. I guess unless you realize that the root of left leftist thinking and ideology really is relativism. There are no fixed truths. The Bible isn't fixed. It was written in a period of time, they say, and it reflected those times and doesn't reflect the times we live in now. There's some great counsel or some great thoughts in the Bible. That's how they look at it. Even those who claim to be Christian, the Christian left or the religious left. Reverend Al Sharpton kind of personifies that, at least one of several that do. I mentioned yesterday morning that he was on NBC, MSNBC's Morning Joe program. That was that was happening as I came on the air, so I just mentioned it in passing, what he had said. I mean, he had made a couple of comments, and, and I made those comments yesterday morning. I was live at the time, as we are now, and um, so I didn't know the rest of what he said till after I was off the air, because I can't read the news and talk to you at the same time. I wish I could, but I can't. I mean, I can glance. I'm, I'm looking at a screen when, when I'm talking here. If anything happens big, I will mention it um, during the time that we're on the air normally. But anyway, I looked at what he had said after the fact, after we got off the air, and I just wanted to share a couple of those words, uh, a couple of his words with you because it's, it's pretty astounding. It, it, it supports what I just said to a T, 
he said the reason he was talking about why evangelicals are so upset over this article in Christianity Today. I mentioned the other day that this is not going to go away soon, this article that this guy wrote, this Mark Kelly. And it isn't. If anything, it's gaining momentum. And it's really, uh, it's kind of arousing and waking up some of the evangelicals that were half asleep. And they're saying, wait a minute, what, Christianity? Well, I read that, you know. So anyway, it's awakening them. And um, what he said, what, what the Reverend Al Sharpton, one of the pastors of the left, the leaders of the left, he said, the reason the evangelicals are so offended by what Galley wrote about Trump calling for his removal, he says, is, I'm quoting him, is it's exposing all of them that they would take this shameless con man over the principles that they're preaching in their holy season as we celebrate Jesus. He said they would sell Jesus out if they felt they could get something from it. He's talking about evangelicals. He said, summing up this Christianity Today editorial, he said, and that's sad on many levels. He said, Mark Galley made it very clear, this is not a political position. Yeah, right. He said, it's a moral one. And by raising it to that level and putting it in perspective, Al Sharpton says, he, he not only exposes the president, but he exposes a lot of the evangelical leaders. He said, quote, I support the president on this on his judicial nominate nominees. I support the president on a lot of things. He said that's what that's what the evangelicals keep saying. And he likened the evangelicals, that would be me and I hope you, to Judas. He said by bargaining and selling your soul for some judicial appointments, he said pro-Trump evangelicals have given up the soul of the church. They're talking about another Jesus. They're talking about somebody that we don't celebrate today and tomorrow, the birth of. They're talking about something very foreign to what the Bible teaches. In fact, as this thing has become more and more of an item of discussion around the country among evangelical Christians, this whole thing about Christianity Today, if you don't listen to this program every day or if you haven't heard about it, Christianity Today was founded by Billy Graham back, I think it was the 50s. And um, it's become a kind of a major, uh, maybe some say the most major Christian publication. I don't think it is anymore. It was at one time. But they have several million uh, readers. They say five million. Others are saying, no, they don't. They don't have that many. But anyway, they have millions of readers. And the editor in chief, the main guy there, his name is, is Colley, Mark Colley. He wrote the other day a, a, a scathing, a scathing article on evangelicals in general and President Trump in particular calling for his impeachment and removal. It's interesting, immediately people started looking at this, what would motivate him to do that? I mean, what would he get out of it? And then we learned that he's retiring at the first of the year, which is just a week from now. But somebody found this. I didn't find this, but somebody found this, and they said, uh, and they they published it this morning. And um, it's a quote from Mark Galley, the guy that wrote the editorial that has sparked all this conversation and this back and forth. Here's what he said the day after the 2016 election. Christianity Today. 
This will give you some sense of his motivation for doing what he's done. Franklin Graham has come out, he blasted him. He said, yes, my father did find that magazine, found that magazine. But he said, this does not represent what he had in mind. He said he would be very disappointed with Mark Galley and, and the whole magazine and what it's doing and what it's saying and the direction it's going now. And others, Tony Perkins and James Dobson and all these guys have really come out on this thing. Anyway, Galley said this the day after President Trump was elected. He said, and I quote, I know hardly anyone, let alone any evangelical Christian, who voted for Trump. I describe evangelicals like me as elite evangelicals. And this class of evangelicals has discovered that we have family members so different they seem like aliens in our midst. These other evangelicals often haven't finished college. And if they have jobs, and apparently a lot of them don't, they are blue-collar jobs or entry-level work. They don't write books or give speeches. They don't attend conferences or evangelicals for social justice or evangelicals for immigration reform. They are deeply suspicious of mainstream media. A lot of them voted for Donald Trump. Let that sink in. That's where this guy's coming from. That's where the left is coming from. I will tell you, I have friends, and I've known some of them lifelong friends. I mean, we go back to the 60s and when we were <laughs> barely past our teenage years. And they would, they agree with this guy. And some of them I've known well over the years. Some, some of them I haven't had contact. But I have friends who fall into that category. They're elitists. And they think all of us who would vote for such a thing as Donald Trump or would cling to these conservative principles that we're less than, we're lower than. This is toxic, emotional, and spiritual stew as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> they just mix up all this stuff. And then they present it out there to a hungry, confused, mentally hungry, confused, and spiritually chaotic nation and culture. This attitude is absolutely unbiblical. What this galley wrote the day after Trump was elected, I didn't see anybody writing that the day after Obama was elected. And <clears throat> believe me, a lot of evangelicals could have said a lot of things. And yes, they took on his policy, but they never went after his character like this. Never. It isn't the nature of conservatives. It particularly isn't the nature of biblical Christians. In Philippians, the Apostle Paul describes Jesus the only one who rightly deserves elite status. I can't believe this guy said that, but he did. I'm looking at his words, and it's reliable. It's a quote. But the Apostle Paul, he suggested that if anybody deserves elite status, Jesus does. But then he says that he, as one who, quote, though in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself. Instead, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. How does that contrast with the left? The Democratic left, the Democratic Party, which is home for most of the left. They're the group of people that have advocated for slavery, that gave us the Jim Crow laws, 
Yet they claim to be the banner carrier for civil rights. They claim to be the banner carrier for Jesus Christ and the Bible. I'll tell you, we live in some unbelievable times. These Christians preach love for your neighbor, but they certainly don't seem to practice what they preach. Love wins, they say, and then they redefine marriage and put their fist in the face of God and say, no, you created male and female. We read that, but we don't, we don't accept that. It's different now. Those are the times in which we live, and that, of course, is why we do this program every day, to talk about these things, hopefully to shed some light. As we read from Genesis, light is good, and God's light is very good. And that's why we do what we do every day. I want to thank you for those of you who support this ministry throughout the year and for the several years now that we've been on, four or five years. I'm not sure. I can't remember which year we started. I remember what day it was. It was February the 18th. But I can't remember what. I could look it up and see. But it's been several years now. And uh, live every morning except when we take a little time off. And I'm going to take a little time off. After tomorrow, I'm going to be off between christmas and new year's i will be back live on january 2nd we're going to be running some reruns over the next few days after tomorrow and um stay with me give me a little time off i need a break and i need to spend some time with my family and my kids my grandkids and my wife i'll have to say to her hello marjorie my name is gary randall and i'd like to know but um anyway gonna spend some time with family and i know you understand that but we try to stay very dedicated to this and very focused on it because we've done that our whole life on the things that we feel God has called us to do. Other things, maybe not so much. You know, things come and go. But the ministry that we have had in our lifetime, we have felt that it should receive our best effort every day. And so we do that. And I want to thank you. You recognize that and you support what we're trying to do. You support not me, but you support the message. And I appreciate that so very, very much because it is about the message. It is about Jesus and God's word, not about me. But I do appreciate your support and thank you for standing with us. At the end of the year, we need to hear from you. We'd like to end this year strong and I believe we will, but we haven't up to this point in the month. And so I would just encourage you to, if you haven't stood with us financially, write a check and stick it in the mail. We need your help. Otherwise, um, thanks for your prayers and thanks for standing with us and, and all of that. And I'll look forward to seeing you live again after tomorrow, beginning on July or <laughs> July on January. See, I need a break on January 2nd. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is insisting that she will not appoint House managers for President Donald Trump's impeachment trial. She's still sitting on those articles of impeachment. And there are lawyers beginning to write now and say, you know what, she is undoing what she did in the House. I, I don't, I w I'm not going to take the time to get into that because I want to talk to you a little bit seasonally about Christmas Eve in a minute. But, you know, her logic, it inverts in my mind, and I've been reading some lawyers, what they've been saying, very successful lawyers who are conservative, but some of them are not, but they're warning her. But it, it seems to me that what she's doing inverts the concept of a, of a 
fair trial. I mean, us little people, us non-elites out here. Anyway, it, it seems it applies to the accused, but not to the accuser, what she's doing. She's saying we want a fair trial, but they didn't have a fair trial when they impeached him in the House. And it's, it, it, I, I think she's walking into a trap unless she's more brilliant than she appears to be. And she's holding up this this whole um, procedure because I know I think she knows she doesn't have enough to convict in a Senate trial. And it's not about fairness. It's about she's wanting trying to win. I think they're trying to stall personally. I mean, this will play out, and I won't be on the air to say, well, I was wrong. But if it's not the case, but I think she's trying to hold off on on having a, a, a an actual hearing or trial in the Senate, which the Constitution requires, because I think they're still searching for more evidence. I am told that they're out there making calls. They've got people on the streets all over the nation, all over the world, trying to find something more to tack on to these two articles of impeachment that they've uh, passed against the president, which are nothing. I mean, it's kind of like a nothing burger. It's, it's you know, two buns with no hamburger in it. And so I think they're pretty, I mean, I think they're acting out of concern, maybe panic, but the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution explicitly says, states, and I, I recheck this. In fact, I, I copied the words. The Sixth Amendment to the Constitution says, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. Now, impeachment is not a criminal proceeding. I mean, I understand that. But it'd be difficult to argue that the president enjoys fewer rights than an ordinary criminal defendant. Now, I know they would make that argument, but I can't think of any clear-minded person that would believe that. Somehow they've singled out this president, this citizen, and they've decided that none of the rules of the Constitution apply to their attempt to destroy him and bring him down. That's the world we live in. President Harry S. Truman, he, he, he knew a little bit about conflict. He was a fiery guy. He was a Democrat, but he said some good things anyway. Now, he was, he, you know, he was Harry. But on Christmas Eve in 1952, President Harry S. Truman made these comments on Christmas Eve. Today, 1952. He said, year after year, it brings peace and tranquility to troubled hearts and a troubled world. And tonight, this was Christmas Eve, and tonight the world seems hushed as we turn to the old, old story of how God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I will tell you, whoever speaks those words, Democrat, Republican, or nothing, are speaking the truth. There is a hush silence that kind of settles over the world each year on the eve of the holy day called Christmas. Not, it's not called holiday. It's called Christmas. More than two billion Christians embrace it. Most people are at least aware of it. Everybody is, I think. In fact, Gallup reported yesterday. They put out a new poll on Christmas They reported that 93% of Americans told them that they're going to celebrate Christmas this year as they do every year. 93% of Americans. Gallup says that number has remained pretty consistent over the past 25 years. It's not declining. 
It runs from 90 to 95 every year when they take this poll. They, Gallup said yesterday in their report, near universal observance of Christmas is seen all across gender, age, educational, and income subgroups of Americans with more than 9 in 10 in each group saying they celebrate and the holiday is also a unifying event for Republicans and Democrats. Well, I'm not sure about that. I'm sure that people said that, but I'm not sure that's true. But that's what they said. Even 85% of people who claim religion is not important to them. It's, a, it's not important to them. They still, still celebrate Christmas. And among those who say religion is important or very important, 96% celebrate Christmas. So when you feel like everybody's kind of in the Christmas mode, it's because they are. But after the frenzy's gone, on the night before tonight, the evening comes, a Christmas Eve hush descends on the world. There's an air of of stillness that grows about. I, I have felt this for years myself. I never really articulated it, but I feel it. On Christmas Eve, there's just a hush. The world seems to almost shut down. It was a moment like that when Silent Night, the most sung Christmas carol in history, was written. I don't have time to tell you the story today, but I've written about it. I would encourage you to go to faithandfreedom.us. Faithandfreedom, A-N-D, freedom.us. And read the story. It's a story behind the carol as told by the members of the church where the carol was first sung. And the song... Silent Night was written out of a little catastrophe that happened in the church. They lost their organ. They didn't have any music, so they had to come up with something new. And somebody wrote a poem. Somebody else put some notes to the lyrics. And somebody else had a guitar. And Silent Night was born on such a night as this. Again, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate your Support. I appreciate you being with us. Tell somebody about this program. We're going to start the new year. There's a lot of challenges coming up in 2020. There is a there is an election in 2020 that will be transformational to America. It will be unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetime, perhaps in the history of our nation. It will be. It'll be brutal. It's going. To, we're going to see things and hear things and see people do things that we never. Never dreamed we'd see in our lifetime. I'm certain of that just based on the way it's shaping up. But today, tomorrow, more than 2 billion Christians celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. He called us to be salt and light, and that's why we do what we do here on this program. But there is a higher calling. He came so he could die, so that he could save you and me from our sin. We can only be saved from our sin, not by adopting an ideology, whether it's left or right, but we can only become saved, we can only come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is true Christianity, by accepting him and asking him to become our Savior, asking him to forgive my sins, Gary Randall is a sinner, and so are you. We need his forgiveness. He will give us eternal life. That's what Christmas is really 
all about. That's the message of Christmas. As Harry Truman said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We'll see you next week live after tomorrow.